Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. like Yuri left here holding the bag and he's over here just the nice guy that everyone loves no one is ever mad at Schwartz I've been saying this for years he makes decisions for himself and he does that pisses people off so then why is everyone always mad at somebody else about it spot on Ariana hello everyone and welcome to everything iconic with me Danny Pellegrino that was actually a clip from last week's episode of Vanderpump Rules but I've been off from the recaps I've been recovering from surgery and when I had the surgery I knew I was going to be in bed for a, a few days or a week and so I wanted to re-watch a show something I've seen before so that when I fall in and out of sleep I can wake up and not feel like I missed anything so I decided to hop back into Vanderpump Rules and usually when I re-watch a show before bed or something. I tend to go for the housewives, but I opted for Vanderpump Rules. And so I'm on season six. I can't stop my rewatch, but it's been the greatest time of my whole life. These are the best days of my life. Just rewatching Vanderpump Rules from the beginning. My eyes are open to new things. It's the greatest reality show of all time. Honestly, I'm on season six currently, and it has not slowed down, not one iota. So if you're interested in possibly rewatching, I encourage you to go back because this is a great, and I know it gets bad. There's a couple bad seasons in there, but it's up through at least season six with the Jack's Brittany Faith situation. It's phenomenal television, and I have so many thoughts about it, and I'm going to get into some of those thoughts. So sit tight, little bear. We're back. We're back, baby, just like them dinosaurs. Wasn't there <laughs> Wasn't there a dinosaur cartoon movie in the 90s that was called, like, We're Back? I think there was. Uh, anyway, I think Vanderpump Rules is back, too, because I think the current season is phenomenal. I have so many thoughts about what's going on with Raquel and what's going on with Tom Shorts and Sheena. And I get mad that they are all mad at other people and each other. And I wish they would just get mad at Schwartz because he just gets to weasel his way out of everything. And I'm tired of it. Although I'm not happy with our Shishi either. And this is going to be a controversial take because I know you guys get mad when I stick up for Katie Maloney, but I do think that I'm on her side for this whole thing because Sheena should not be pressing it. Sooner or later, Katie is going to cold cock that honky Azusa pop star because she's just meddling too much in their divorce. And I have this theory that Sheena knew that Brock was no longer going to be on the show. I mean, I know he's appearing here and there, but last season, Brock was a main cast member in the opening credits. And now this season, he's relegated to just showing up with Gina or whatever. And so I have this theory that Shishi knew that Brock was demoted, and it was possible potentially that she could be demoted too. Whenever these uh, actors or whenever these housewives or Bravo celebrities feel like they're on shaky ground, then they do really crazy stunts to make sure that their spot is secured for the season. And so that's my theory. I don't know that that's true, but I feel like maybe Shishi thought, uh-oh. Got to step it up. Got to do something. And so she decided to just get involved with the Katie and Schwartz of it all. But she is encouraging it. And I'd be pissed. And here's the thing. Katie and Schwartz are co-workers at this point. So they're going through not a normal divorce. They both are on this television show. So I think in a traditional divorce, divorce, you would just never see this person again. Or you would deal with them when you had to. But having to go to work every day and see this person, certainly you wouldn't want one of your uh, co-workers to be encouraging your divorced uh, husband or wife to be hooking up with another co-worker. So I think it's really fucked up. I'd be so pissed if I was Katie Maloney. I'd be so pissed. Uh, but speaking of pissed, I want to go back in time for a minute because uh, this episode's going to be Vanderpump heavy again because I'm just, it's fresh in my brain and I 
have been loving my rewatch, and we'll get into Jersey later. If you want to skip ahead to the Jersey talk, I'll put the timestamp in the episode description. But in my Vanderpump rewatch, I've just been finding so many things to love. First of all, LVP is so likable in those early seasons. And I think my brain was clouded by uh, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, because in her last couple of years on Housewives of Beverly Hills, I did not care for LVP. But in my rewatch, I'm like, she's likable. She's charming. She's funny. She's in charge. I love when she tells the kids to get out of here. She's like, you know, she says skedaddle or whatever. I don't know. She says it in her British way, but she'll have a scene with them where she gives advice and she's like, all right, then get out of here. She tells them to go. I love it. I love it. She's just so charming in those early seasons. And I think they lost the plot of what to do with her in the later years because now she just doesn't fit in. But I like her in that mentorship role. And they weren't doing as many stunts with her in the beginning. Obviously, we had that crazy stunt where she put a brassiere in Tom Schwartz's suitcase as he went to Vegas or something, which was fucking nuts. Uh, but that's not what I want to focus on. I wanted to focus on our Kentucky muffin, Brittany. Rotten Hill. Now, Brittany is what I believe, this is a hot take, to be the villain of this program. Now, I know if you think back on all the cast members who have come and gone, who started this show, we all assume that Jax is the real villain of the show, and he's certainly villainous in so many ways. So many ways. But Brittany from Vanderpump Rules, I believe she came onto this show, and there's something amiss. There's something amiss when you rewatch it, because it feels like she just met this man in Vegas, and this man was awful to her. She moved across the country from Kentucky all the way to West Hollywood, in with this man immediately after meeting him. Now, I know love can make us do crazy things, but she moved, and then this man did a whole slew of horrible things, and she still stayed with this man. I know they're happily married, seemingly. I mean, I don't know. I don't follow them on social media, but I think they're still happily married, and they got a kid and all that, so God bless, and I hope nothing but the best for them. However, I made a list as I've been rewatching of things that this man has done to her, And so, of course, yes, he's villainous. I'm not trying to excuse anything that he did. But the fact that she didn't leave this man after all the things that he did to her on camera when they first started getting together. And one of these days, I imagine if you're on a reality TV show and you have kids and you met on that reality show or their relationship was documented in the reality show, you would assume that your kids are going to one day watch that reality show. I certainly would, if my parents were on something uh, in the days of yesteryear, I certainly would want to rewatch it in present day and see what their relationship was like. And so one day the kids are going to see all these things that happen. Now, I made a list, and this is a list of things that happen pre when he slept with Faith, after they'd uh, gone through all of the stuff, he slept with Faith while she was taking care of uh, an elderly woman. And so they did hook up while an elderly woman was in the bed next to them. And so that was certainly something that was so nasty and so rude. So nasty and so rude to do to Brit. But here's a list of uh, some other things that happened. Now, he got her a boob job that he was dictating. And the way that he was dictating it on the show was the size. He was talking about what size he wanted rather than what she wanted. He held it over her head for the longest time afterwards. And he bragged about how he paid for it in front of other people. Even after she complained and said, stop saying that, he still kept doing it. He flirted with Lala as a Brittany was driving to California to move in with him from Kentucky. He lied to her face about flirting with the other women as she was driving and making it to Cali. Uh, He demands that she makes him sandwiches when he gets home. He starts gossiping about her because allegedly Kristen uh, played around with Brittany's Rita Moreno. And uh, Jax refuses to stop gossiping about it at work. And uh, when Brittany got a job at Sir, Jax went around and telling everyone about this uh, situation that happened with Kristen. Uh, they took an RV trip to Sonoma, and he doesn't give her the warm water. He takes a shower before her, and then she's forced to shower with a bottle of water that had been sitting out in the RV. Uh, he refuses to apologize when she says that he hurt her feelings demands she finds a new apartment for them. So when they're unhappy in the first apartment, he demands that she finds a new one, despite the fact that she's new to the area. At Katie and Tom's wedding, he jokingly breaks up with her on camera. Uh, He cries and apologizes to his ex-girlfriend, Stassi, in front of Brittany. He's mean to her mom, Sherry, who I also despise, you guys, by the way. I just, that's a whole other podcast. I do not care for that woman and her frosted lip. I do not care for it. 
that frosted lip needs to go. Uh, and luckily it did. He, uh, Jax also takes her to a comedy show where the main act shows a picture of his penis to the audience, and then he refuses to apologize when she's upset about it. He frequently jokes about sleeping with other people in their friend uh, group. He makes her take care of him after one of his multiple cosmetic nose jobs. He belittles her in front of the doctor during her boob consultation, which I think we sort of talked about. Uh, he... And that's just a, that's a whole slew of things. So that's all up through season five. And then he sleeps with Faith with a hospice care patient or whoever that old lady was. And then there's a recording of it that they play forever. I mean, it's like a crazy list of things. And I mentioned Sherry, the mom, and I can't even believe that Sherry didn't scoot her Kentucky muffin back to Kentucky. And instead, when Sherry comes to visit after the Faith recording and after he slept with Faith next to this hospice care patient, Sherry's just like, well, whatever, men screw up. And I'm just like, this is insanity. So again, you would think that all of this is to say that I think that Brittany is the victim here. But I actually think that there's something even more villainous about the fact that she went through this whole situation after all of these things. And it's troubling to watch. And it makes me so enraged to rewatch all the things that this man has done to this woman. And again, people grow and learn from their mistakes. And so we wish them the best. I hope they're all happy. And this is just a reflection of my rewatch. And so I don't know where they're at now. God bless. Whatever. I don't know. Rotten Hill. But she sticks around after all of that. And I don't believe she's sticking around through all of that because she wants to stand by her man. I feel in my rewatch that she's doing it because she wants to stay by the TV show that she was gassed on. And there's something so Machiavellian about that to me because although these other people on this program are out loud and proud about their monstrous behavior, she's presenting herself as a sweet, young, innocent Southern belle. And I just do not believe that she's some sweet, innocent Southern belle. I actually think she's very calculated and she knows what she's doing. And so that scares me. And so that's why I believe her to be the villain of this program. And again, the other people's behavior is not acceptable and it's terrible. And what he did to that woman is not okay. And I do not support that, him doing that to any woman. And he's certainly got something that he's going to have to pay for. Rotten Hill. That's not up for me to decide. However, it's something sneaky about it. By the way, Brittany just says rotten hell to that man a hundred times. Rotten hell. He's going to rotten hell. I'm going to, you better rotten hell. Like every time, <laughs> every time one of these things from my list happens on the show, she's like, you're going to rotten hell. And every single time she says the same thing. Rotten hell. If she was a housewife, that'd be her tagline. She'd just twirl with her champagne flute or plate of beer cheese. <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. I love it. But it's tr- really troubling to watch. And then he's also got that foot fetish. Just wants her to take laps around the block so he can suck on her dirty, sweaty hooves. I mean, that's like so troubling to hear every time. Every time they talk about that, it's like, that's something I don't think I need to hear every time. Every time it's like, oh, yeah, I love her dirty, sweaty feet. I'm like, I don't need to hear that. There was one time, I don't remember what episode it was, but he's like, yeah, why don't you... Why don't you go run a couple blocks, a couple laps around the neighborhood so that I could suck on your dirty hooves? And I'm like, we don't need to hear that. We need to keep that to ourselves. Uh, and then they have uh, broken up a couple times. I mean, after Brittany finds out that he cheated, she does book a plane fare to Vegas immediately the next morning. She's bragging about how she's going to be single. And that was troubling to me. Oh, that was the other thing, the other reason why I thought she was like kind of villainous because she met him in Vegas and then immediately moved across the country to be uh, in with this man slash be on this TV show. And then it's like the minute that they break up, she books a plane to Vegas. And it's like, is the plan to just do the same thing? Like to find, <laughs> like, I don't know, it was so backwards to me of like, well, that's how you got into this mess in the first place. And she's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to be saying, I'm going to be single y'all. And so she goes to Vegas uh, with her girlfriend or I don't know who she goes with. And I'm like, that's completely absurd. It's like, you're going to go get yourself into this situation again. But I get so angry that nobody, and the gals, the other gals tried. I mean, they all tried to get her away from this man. And she's like, well, I'm going to do, I I just got to give this another chance. I'm like, you gave him like 75 chances. I just went through a list. And so I know all this happened multiple years ago, and you guys are probably pissed that I'm uh, I'm dredging this up, but I had to get it off my chest because of this rewatch. And so now we're going to get into the current episode. So I'm sorry about that whole thing. You guys are probably shouting at your podcast app saying, Danny, Rotten Hill, Rotten Hill, Rotten Hill. <laughs> she literally says, she says it so many fucking times. It's so funny. So funny. Okay. 
So let's talk about this week on Vanderpump Rules. Now, uh, last week, we didn't cover, actually, so I just said this week, but let's go back in time. Last week, last week on Vanderpump Rules, Lala and Katie sat down Raquel and said, hey, don't fuck with Tom. And then Lala reveals that she actually fucked with James while her and Raquel were together. And Raquel's like, well, what the F? What are you telling me not to hook up with one of the people in this group for, Lala? And you just hooked up with James. You're admitting it. Like, it's so hypocritical. And I appreciated that she was calling it out. And it was also very bold of Raquel to sit there when she was at lunch or dinner or wherever she was with Lala and Katie. And she's like, well, I kind of like Tom. And I was like, Raquel, you're saying that. She's in the middle of a divorce with this man. Also, I don't even understand what is everyone seeing in this Tom Schwartz. And I know he's a handsome fella, but uh, I mean, come on, Raquel, you need to cool it. You need to cool it. Now, this week opens with Tom Sandoval's cover band, which, oh my God, this Tom Sandoval, you guys, I love love Tom. I love Thomas. And one of the things I'm also realizing about Thomas in my rewatch is that you can tell he has a good heart and soul. Like, he is a very empathetic person. He's always crying. And yes, he's maybe a little cocky or those sorts of things. But I actually think you can see, and you could see that with all our reality stars, you could see which ones where through the screen you could tell, like, they might be a mess or they might be mean sometimes or they might be whatever the adjective is. But you can tell when they have a good heart. And there's a lot of other ones you see and you say, I don't think they have a good heart. You know, you can kind of see through it. And so I think Tom Sandoval, I'm proud of him for that cover band. I love the mustache. And I love that he brought Tom Schwartz's mom's photo on stage and was like making out and changed the lyrics to Jesse's girl to Schwartz's mom. And they <laughs> it also made me laugh that the Bravo would have had to clear that song. They never play regular pop songs on these shows because they're expensive. And so, although I, it was a parody, so it was probably a little cheaper, they still had to pay a lot of money. And he was just singing about wanting to fuck Schwartz's mom, sweating like Whitney Houston on that stage, gyrating and kissing a photo of a... And meanwhile, Ariana was just the clap. She was standing up clapping like Chris uh, uh, Kardashian. Like, you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I, lo- I was so happy that they paid to co- uh, clear that song. And uh, yeah, so he's touring. I guess he's all over the place. I haven't seen him, but... Uh, he's touring all over, but I lo- I love Tom Sandoval. I love, and then what else is going on? So they were in this big fight at Tom Sandoval's show last week, and Katie this week she's crying. She says, "I don't belong here," and what she's saying is like, "I don't feel like I belong in this cast." And now I also have this theory that Lala is clearly sick. She says she's sick, but I think she probably had COVID, and so that's why she can't film for a while. And so I think that's why they brought in Christina Kelly, because there's really no other explanation to bring back Christina Kelly, because, again, in my rewatch, I've noticed that Christina didn't really bring anything to this show. Not one iota, not one iota of pretty much anything. Yes, she was there, and she was around Katie and Stasi, but I don't even think she was at Katie's wedding. So we're, we're playing fast and loose with the idea that Katie and Christina Kelly are very close friends because I don't believe her to be at that wedding. Maybe I missed it. Maybe in my in my recovery haze, I didn't notice that Christina Kelly was there. But if she was at that Katie and Schwartz wedding then she certainly wasn't on camera. She wasn't interesting enough to even be on camera at that wedding. I don't even think they gave her a lower thirds if she was, because I didn't see it. So I don't know what the purpose was to bring Christina Kelly, other than the fact that they needed an ally for Katie, because it seems like Lala wasn't able to film for a while. She did film something on her phone when she was at home watching The Real Houses of Beverly Hills, which I appreciate and relate it to very much so. Uh, but that's the only thing I could think of, of like, let's bring in Christina Kelly. It's like, uh, why? <laughs> what? What? And I keep saying, why aren't we bringing back Laura Lee? What the fuck? Bravo. Get on board with Laura Lee. Get her, uh, drive up a, a truck full of money up to Laura Lee's apartment, wherever the fuck she is. I don't know where she's at, but you better drive a Mack truck filled with cash because that's who you need back for a scene. That's who we need to embrace our history. And Laura Lee's a critical part of that history. So if you want to be bringing somebody back, let's get rid of Christina Kelly, really. I mean, she's a beautiful gal. She seems like a nice person, but it doesn't make sense. And Laura Lee makes sense. She's involved in the dramas. Remember when they brought Vale in? Oh, my God. Vale was there for a whole season. Didn't do not one thing. Not one. (laughs) Didn't offer not one interesting thing. And yet, I'd like Vale back, too. I'd like to check in. Just want to check in. We're checking in with Christina Kelly. Let's check in with these other gals. 
Um, so anyway, I think that's why they brought her. But so Katie is very clearly upset because I think she knows her status on the show. She's like, where do I fit in here with these people? Because Tom and Tom are obviously always going to have each other's back. Ariana's with Tom. So although she has a relationship with Katie, she's going to support her man. And then she, she's turning on her and she, she and Katie have never gotten along. They've always hated each other. So what's that going on? And then if Lala is not able to film for a couple weeks, two, three weeks, which is a large chunk of time in the world of Vanderpump Rules. So I think that's, she even said she's worried everyone's going to choose uh, sides and they'll choose Schwartz, but I'm not choosing him. Uh-uh. No, ma'am. Rotten Hill. I'm not mad. I'm not happy with that man. Then we cut to Raquel and Allie and this whole friendship is insane. They're like giggling at each other and they're just literally the same person. They're the same human being. And it's crazy. Raquel's bringing up Lala to her and she's like, do you feel like you trust him? And look, Allie needs to run. And also that negligee she's wearing in the confessional. What the fuck is that about? (laughs) Does anyone else feel like she's wearing a negligee? I mean, she looks good. She's a beautiful woman. I think she's an Ohio person, too. I think she's from Ohio. And you know i got to support my Ohio brothers and sisters. But I just don't understand that negligee look she's going for. But she does need to run away. She just, I, I would hope she runs away. Just run away from this. Because although James is really good television, I'm not sure that it's healthy to be in a relationship with that man. I'm sorry to say. Just not. It's just not. And then, let's see, what else we got going on? That whole relationship, though, is wild. Then uh, we see Raquel's drinking excessively in the club and the confessional. She just wants to make out with someone. She goes up to Schwartz and she says she, she says to Sheena, should I make out with Schwartz? Uh, ask him. And then Sheena says yes. Sheena said yes. So nasty and so rude. She, she, you should not say that. I know she's stirring the pot and I'm grateful for the good TV. But she, she, you need to cool it. That's not good as gold to do that. It's just not as good as gold. It's not okay. And then I think somebody pointed out Charlie was back and Charlie pointed out, or somebody pointed out, like, what would you, what would Sheena do if all of a sudden Katie started making out with Mike Shea or Rob or Rob Thomas or not Rob Thomas? Why did I think his name was Rob Thomas? Rob Valletta. Or who was that other one? She's with Adam. Uh, so it's not okay. She, she, uh, Sheena's about to get popped in the words of Lala. She's about to get popped. Again, uh, Katie's going to cold cock her honky Azusa pop star ass. It's going to happen because Katie's not happy. It's sketchy. And then what was else was sketchy was Tom Schwartz was sitting there and he's looking around. He's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then he turns and he says, are we still filming? <gasps> you guys, I got goosebumps. When he said that, he looked around. He's like, are we still filming? That led me to believe he's like, yeah, I would have probably made out with her right then and there. Which, by the way, he's been making out with people their entire relationship, before the marriage and then after the marriage. In season six of Vanderpump Rules, he makes out with some girl, and then everyone just excuses it because he's like, yeah, I was blacking out drunk. And then even Katie at that point was just like, oh, well, like he was just so drunk he didn't know. And I'm like, that is so crazy. Like they were married already at this point. Even before the marriage, it's uh, whatever. But after the marriage, he makes out with someone at a club when Katie's out of town He's going, getting drunk, and he says he doesn't remember anything, but he admits to it happening. He's like, oh, yeah, it probably happened, but I was I don't remember any of it, so it's not my fault. And then they're all just, like, moving on. And I'm like, what is going on here? It's the Twilight Zone. Anyway, I think he would have made out with Raquel right then and there. Now, I feel like I've been hard on Schwartz, and so I do just want to point out his thighs. I want to point out at his house, and I've noticed this a bunch in my rewatch, he's got gorgeous thighs, and I love thigh meat. And so on a man, and I just have to say his thighs are out and he's got gorgeous thighs. And so I want to support his thigh work, whatever the thigh work, <laughs> whatever his thigh work that's happening. Good job, Schwartz, because it's, it's working for me. And that's probably what's working for Raquel, too. She got that relationship with James, who's also very gorgeous, but he's got chicken legs. A beautiful man, and that's no shade, but James has some chicken legs. And so she probably saw Schwartz's thigh meat and said, I want to hop on board. And so I understand it on some level. Now, at Tom's apartment, which the apartment's about, we got to clean the apartment. We just got to organize that. She, she comes over, though, with Tom Sandoval, and they're trying to redecorate or redesign the apartment. And I was thinking, uh, Schwartz, maybe don't listen to Shishi, because I'm not sure that she has interior design sense, especially after seeing her apartment back in season four, when she had the pictures of the wedding all over the canvas prints. She just had live, love, laugh, or live, laugh, love all over the room. 
I mean, she had so many, so much fucking live, laugh, love. It was like you were walking into the the leftover aisle of a home goods. I mean, it was like live, laugh, love, the stuff that people aren't buying in the clearance section at home goods. She, she bought it and put it all over that apartment. And so I'm not sure that Tom Schwartz needs to be listening to Sheena when she, she came in and said, you need to put a mirror there. And I was just thinking, Tom, do not listen to that woman. Like plug your ears. You know, when you tell a little kid, someone swearing around them, you're like, plug your ears. I'd say that to my niece and nephews, plug your ears, close your eyes. Don't do, don't see this. That's what I was shouting at the TV when Sheena's giving her interior design advice. Like literally listen to anybody else. Any other human being on the entire planet, if you want interior design advice, anything, I, I call up anyone, call up Peter. Peter could give you interior design advice better than Shishi, and I've never even seen his apartment. But I know, I know that it's better interior design advice than what Shishi's going to give you. I'm sorry, Shishi. You know, I love you, but it's not, you're not the person. And they even made a list on a, a, a dry erase board. They were like, here's the things that you need. And I was like, you don't need to listen to this. You need to throw that board away. And I hope to God by the end of the season, when they do a big apartment reveal, that we're not just going to see pictures of Sheena around the house, around his apartment. And also, there's another gal living there with him. I don't know, a friend or something? Did I mishear that? I think there's another gal in the house. And I'm like, why isn't she picking up the slack and running out to Target and getting some stuff for the walls? I'm not saying you got to get anything super expensive. I know he's paying a mortgage and having to pay the rent. But maybe this other gal, she could run to a yard sale with Tom Schwartz and get some things. There's yard sales. Just hop on on Craigslist and look up some garage sales in the area. Because that's a thing here in LA. You got to go hop on the garage sale circuit because that's where you get some good finds if you don't have a lot of cash. Although I've noticed this thing in LA because I, you know, I love a garage sale. I was raised on garage sales. And back in Ohio, you could go to a state sale and they will have large, gorgeous pieces of furniture for $2. And here in Los Angeles, I don't know, everyone's got a sense of entitlement or something. So you go to some of these yard, estate, garage sales, and you look at something and it's like a biggest piece of junk. I went to this one the one time with my friend Jenna and they had audiobooks. Like it was like old ass audiobooks, like the big CD kinds. And the person wanted like $51 for this one. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, you could, you can torrent that online. <laughs> and it wasn't even like an out of print because I looked it up. It was Barbara Walters audition that book, which is a fantastic memoir if you haven't read it. But I was, I looked it up and I was like, maybe this is out of print or something. And it wasn't. So I don't know. So maybe they shouldn't go to a garage sales. My point. I don't know. What am I talking about? See, I haven't done these recaps in a while. I'm, I feel like I'm a little rusty and I also have all these thoughts in my head that I need to get out. Ah, uh, I missed you all so much. I really did miss you. Ah, uh, I missed you so much. I was just watching all these shows, and I'm just got all these thoughts in my head because we had a lot going on. Uh, anyway, uh, Tom's parents invested uh, into the Schwartz and Sandy bar, which I think looks great. Tom's parents invested 250k, and Tom and Tom are talking about this Greg man who's being a real asshole on camera. That Greg, is this Greg his name? Craig? Greg? I'm not sure. Unclear. But he's being a big asshole. I do know that. That's clear to me. He sat down with Lisa Vanderpump a couple weeks back, and he's like, these kids don't know anything. And I'm thinking, the only reason people are going to Schwartz and Sandy's is because of those two. So uh, well, who's this Greg to get on camera? I feel very defensive. Although uh, you guys have been listening to this podcast, and I've been dragging Schwartz uh, outside of his thigh meat. I've been dragging everything else about him. But I'm going to stick up for him again because they do not deserve this. And I do not feel like this Greg has the best intentions. So it seems like Lisa Vanderpump and uh, and Kenny Boyle will be swooping in and and helping out to take over for Greg's place in the coming attractions or in the coming weeks. We're going to see that happen. But for now, I just want to say that I do not care for that man. I do not care for that man. So nasty and so rude. Because first LVP, and then this week he's like yelling at him, and then it's revealed they're paying rent and they want to open this bar. And yeah, it might not be perfect. It might not be perfect when you open it, but you're throwing away 25K for rent every month. Is that what they said it was? I think it was. And this man doesn't want to open because he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give two shits. Not one shit or two shits. One one shit, two shit, three shit, blue shit. What's that Dr. Seuss book? He doesn't give none of them shits. (laughs) I know that wasn't the actual title of that Dr. Seuss book, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, the point is that man's a monster and I hate him. Okay, so then what else is going on? We see at Sir, Raquel, and Peter, and Charlie. I like when they're working at at Sir. Charlie, um, why did I call her Charlie? 
<laughs> Charlie just flew back from the Hamptons. Let's get her on Summer House. I'm a little over the Summer House. I know I say that every season on the show, but something about it just doesn't sit well with me. I just can't. I watch it every week, and I say this every single week, but I kind of hate it. And I don't know what it is exactly. It's just, it doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't. Uh, but anyway, maybe it would sit well with me. We've got Charlie over there. Get her in the summer house. Uh, it's revealed that James got escorted out of Tom Sandoval's club uh, show. Uh, Charlie does try to talk some sense into Raquel. She's trying to say how it's inappropriate to crush on shorts. But Raquel says she's got a crush. She can't help it. Then we see Schwartz and Sandy's. They're going to be doing a friends and family event opening. Uh, and Sandoval arrives with a full wardrobe. Did you notice that? They're like getting ready for this friends and family thing. And he brought a full ass rack of clothing like he was doing a photo shoot. And I just loved it. I loved it. He was getting ready to dress. Up. That's what he was concerned about. He was getting ready to dress. And he should have helped dress Greg because that man... Uh, is not only a monster, but he doesn't seem well-dressed, and he's on camera. And so I call on Schwartz and Sandy to do something. I'm not sure that Schwartz really knows how to dress. He's always wearing them flip-flops, uh, open-toed shoes. i got to see that man's... For In my rewatch, you know what I've noticed? Is that uh, Schwartz has always got the hooves out. I'm seeing them hooves every second. He'll go to a nice dinner with Katie or whoever, and he's got them hooves out. And I don't need to see them, them lower thirds grippers running around my screen every second. Just seeing them hooves stomp all over screen. And I'm like, put on some socks and some shoes, young man. This is not appropriate to just be wearing your open toes. And I've talked about this before. You know how I feel about straight men and men in general having them hooves out because they're never properly pedicured. And sometimes you go on a plane or something, someone's got their toes out. And it's like, I don't want to see that. Uh, cover them up. Cover your grippers up. I don't, I'm not interested. And seeing them, and they're just putting them out willy-nilly. At least, and I hate to stereotype, but at least women oftentimes have clean hooves, and they they are keeping up with the pedicures, whether they be professional pedicures or their own. But Schwartz has just always got them toes out, and I'm like, Schwartz, we got to put them away, put them away. Sometimes, sometimes. Anyway, what was I saying? So uh, we also have the scene of LVP at tea with James. She tells him to stop rushing into his relationship with Allie, and he cries. And she's right, LV- and she should say it. LVP is right, and she should say it. I'm like, I'm, I'm back on board with LVP. I hated her for a while, and now I'm like, oh, I love her because I my rewatch. And I'm sure I'll turn as soon as I get into the later seasons of my rewatch. But for now, uh, then we see everyone getting ready for this friends and family event. Katie says Christina Kelly's going with her. Uh, she talked about that, why she was brought on board. Uh, Tom's brother and parents arrived. His mom's a queen, too. I know they talk about this on the show, about her being a firehouse chief, which is rare for women. I mean, what a badass woman. Can we just give it up for Sandoval's mom? Love her. Love her. And then we see... And Tom was also so proud uh, to bring her in, and then she was saying she's so proud of... I mean, I was crying. I was crying. And then I stopped crying when Tom said that she had Mickey Rourke hands. I hate to say it, but Mickey Rourke scares me. He just does. You know how there's some people, I'm uneasy about him when I see him. And I know he's a wonderful actor, and I don't know much about his personal life or what he's like off screen, but I do have to say that he scares me, terrifies me. I'm scared of a handful of things. Mickey Rourke's on that list. Mickey Rourke, rats, I don't like possums, or uh, I don't like little critters, and Mickey Rourke. So I'm scared of that cocaine bear. I'm scared of rats. I'm scared of Mickey Rourke. And in many ways, I think Mickey Rourke was the original cocaine bear. I don't know. Again, I don't know much about his past personal life, but I'm assuming that that's the basis of what that movie's uh, about. Because I believe in the 80s, probably Mickey Rourke was the original cocaine bear. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Lala's at home watching Beverly Hills Housewife. We have this scene of Katie, Christina, and Ariana. And Katie says she'll run a train through one of Tom's restaurants if Tom fucks Raquel. And I support that. And I support that. You do whatever you got to do. If this man's going to be hooking up with Raquel, then you do whatever you want with your... Rita Moreno. It's fine by me. I support it. Because uh, she does want a divorce. She does want to have a divorce trip, though. And I support that as well. Because she wants to take all the gals to Vegas. She says, let's go all rage. Although I'm concerned that she she's not going to be invited. Is she going to be invited? Katie says she's not. But I'm assuming producers are going to step in and say, you got to bring she she. 
because I need, that'll be all the conflict in Vegas. So hopefully they bring Shishi to Vegas. Uh, but they're going to be going. She, uh, Raquel's invited inexplicably. That's the other fucked up thing. It's like, why is Katie inviting Raquel and not Shishi? I know she says it's because Sheena's forcing the relationship or Sheena's pushing the relationship between Raquel and Tom, but also Raquel's the one doing it. Raquel's the one going up to Tom Schwartz at the party and saying, I want to make out with you. So I don't know that she should be inviting Raquel to the divorce party because Raquel is doing some sketchy stuff. And I've always loved Raquel, but I'm a little bit turned on her. I'm loving her on TV and I'm loving what she's bringing for our entertainment, but I'm not loving these actions. Then Katie and Tom sit down and have this conversation. Tom says Katie's his only family in LA, but then they fight. He says she should leave. Uh, the relationship is so fucked up. Uh, it's so fucked up, you guys. Tom calls Katie his arch nemesis. His arch nemesis. They've been married. Uh, makes me sad. It really does make me tear up a little bit because these two have had such a fraught relationship from the beginning. They got married. They thought they were going to be in it for the long run. And now he's kicking her out of his place of establishment. Uh, I do not care for it. It makes me sad. Then we see James and Max boxing. Max had a very aggressive tattoo that I just was not prepared for. My eyes just were, I, it looked great. Nothing wrong with the tattoo. I think it was a, it, I, it just was on his arm and it shocked me a little bit. Shocked me a little bit. Then we see Brack and Shishi with their daughter, adorable daughter. Oh my God. Their kid is adorable. I know we don't want the kids on the show. This is not what the show's about. I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying, that we need a bunch of scenes with the kid. But I would maybe like a little more check-in with Shishi's daughter because she is adorable. Like, just want to see one little, I don't know, her run around playing or something for another minute. Not a lot, just a little bit more than we're getting. A little bit more. And then we see Ariana and Raquel and Katie they're having lunch or something. Raquel comes clean about asking Schwartz to make out. She does apologize. And Katie's is still focused on Shishi. Katie cries. She said she just wants to have fun now. And I do, I feel bad for Katie. I feel bad for her because she's again going into her place of employment and somebody's, uh, she's got to see the ex, the divorced man with the big ass thighs. Uh, making out with her coworker or wanting to make out the coworker. It's just, it's hard. Then the episode ends with Tom, Tom, LVP and the Tom's chat about this Greg character who I do not care for. And Tom's talk about their paying the rent and Greg is paying the lease. And this is when LVP says Greg has no urgency because he's not paying rent and LVP's on their side, which I like. Tom says he's stressed and uh, Sandoval says he's very stressed and he's been pacing around his yard and stares at the sky, which made me laugh. <laughs> so I was just thinking Tom in his yard, just like walking around, looking at the sky. Remember on The Real Houses of Potomac when we saw Ray just looking out that window? I feel like Tom Sandoval is just doing that around his yard. It made me laugh. And then Schwartz cries. I did feel bad for Schwartz. He was crying. He did doesn't want to be a cautionary tale in business. He's already feeling like a cautionary tale in his relationship. That made me sad. And then LVP just wants to kick Greg out. She wants in. She wants in. Next week on the show, they go to Vegas. We see that they bring a Schwartz pinata. James's mom returns. We get a Ken appearance. Raquel and Garcelle's son, Oliver, make out. I mean, a lot's happening on this show. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. We're going to be diving deep into Vanderpump Rules because I'm back in my Vanderpump era. I know we took a couple seasons off from recapping it here on this podcast, but I'm back, baby. And I am fully on board with this batshit show. I've even been thinking about how this show should end. Not that I want it to end anymore because this season's good. However, I was thinking, how do we end this show? Because it's very much like a Hills-esque show. So when it ends... I was thinking the last shot definitely needs to be at the Sir dump. I think it definitely should be outside of Sir by that dumpster, the cast meeting there. I know I've been, I've been thinking about it creatively, just thinking if I was a producer on this show, how would I end it? And so maybe I pose that question to all of you. How would you end Vanderpump Rules? Okay, let's take a quick break here and then we're going to come back and talk about this Jersey episode. Lots of thoughts. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I want to thank Acast for all episodes of Everything Iconic. Be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen. That really helps the show out. I also do bonus episodes over on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash everything iconic, where I recap Sex in the City from the beginning. I do one bonus episode over there a month. More importantly, the show helps, or the 
the support helps to, what am I saying? See, I'm mixing up my words because I haven't done this in a while. It helps to support this podcast uh, over there on Patreon. And if you also want to come see me live, there are still tickets available to Salt Lake, Denver, and Seattle. I'm so excited, you guys. The live shows are going to be in April. And we're going to have a good time. So go to everythingiconic.com. At the top of the page, there's a live show link. Get tickets over there. They're going quick. We only got a few left in each city. So it's looking like hopefully we're going to sell out, but you can still get tickets over there. Uh, And we'll be right back. All right. I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Hey, you guys are our chosen family. Everyone here is really special to us, so thank you so much for coming. We love you from the bottom of our heart. I wouldn't want anyone else here, but you guys, yes. We miss you, Joe. So, um, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh-oh. Real Houses in Jersey, that was a clip from this week's episode. Obviously, it all uh, revolved around this whole thing that a speech that Teresa and Louie gave at their love bubble party, which the love bubble party was cracking me up because they just had some woman in a bubble in the pool. <laughs> you can't write that shit. You just can't do it. The fact that they had a woman in a pool in a bubble, a bubble gal, and uh, they said it was a love bubble party. I mean, nothing's funnier than that. Nothing, uh, no comedy on TV is going to match that type of comedy. It's just not going to happen. And then when Jen Aiden showed up with that family tree, like, <laughs> was cracking me up too because it was so ugly. <laughs> it was a thoughtful gift. Okay. I, and I love Jennifer. And so I don't mean to, I don't mean to make fun of it, but it was like the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Again, a thoughtful thing, but very, like, where do you put that? What do you do with That's one of those things that you get, one of them gifts you get, and then you throw it in the closet and you always feel so bad throwing it away because it's sentimental. And so you just keep it in the closet forever because obviously you can't display that anywhere. Where the fuck are you going to put that? Or maybe if you have a basement, I, we don't have basements here in California, which is absurd, but I feel like in Ohio, you would put that in the basement somewhere in a corner that nobody would really see it. And then uh, you hold on to it, but really you probably want to throw it away because it's just uh, ugly. I mean, I thought it could have been a great thoughtful gift, but just the shape of it, uh, maybe that's just my own my own hangups, but I thought it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And I love Jennifer. But uh, so this whole thing about how she said chosen family and Joe Gorga wasn't there. And I got to be honest, I'm exhausted by this. I'm exhausted, exhausted, exhausted. Like, I don't know. I had my surgery a couple weeks ago and they put you under anesthesia and you don't even know what happens. So you are just out cold for an hour and you just lose it. It's like different than sleeping. It's You just lose that time and all of a sudden you're awake and you're like, where did that time go? You were just basically unconscious for that whole time. And in some way, in some way, I sort of wish I could go under anesthesia until all of this Gorga feud is over because I can't handle it anymore. The Melissa, Teresa, Joe of it all. I'm so sick of it. Put us all under anesthesia until this is done because I can't watch it. I cannot do it. And it's all, and I've been thinking about it a lot as I've been on this bed rest. And I gotta say, this might not be popular. I know there's two sides now. It's always like Melissa or Teresa and there's all these sides. And if you don't fall on one, the other side gets so mad at you. But I got to say, I've been thinking about it so much, losing sleep over it. I'm just in bed and I'm going through to my head. And I have determined, I was thinking about when they joined the show. And this is something that we've talked about ad nauseum, both on the show and off the show. And it's been something that's come up at every single reunion about how Melissa joined the show and whatever. And I go back to that a lot. 
And I think back to those early days of Jersey. I think it was season two, three, or whatever. I think when did she join season three? When Melissa joined the show, I don't think that she should have joined that show. I don't think that her and Joe should have joined the show because I do believe that it was Teresa's thing. It was her. She was on the show. And I was trying to put myself, I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes. And if I get a TV show, which uh, God willing will happen one day, executives, are you listening? Anyway. God willing, that happens. I start the show. I'm on season one. I ensemble cast with some other friends. We start this program. It becomes a big hit. I do a table flip, and it's the only thing anyone's talking about. It's this moment I had on this show. And then the family comes on, uh, my brothers or whoever comes on and uh, tries to get a piece of that show. I'd say, go do your own thing. Get your own thing. This is my thing. And yeah, maybe that's gross or conceit or whatever, but I still think that they shouldn't have joined that show. And knowing that Teresa didn't want them to join the show, right? Teresa wasn't unclear about that. She was up front. She's like, this, I started this thing. Like, let's just let, let this be my thing. Like, they don't, they had a career. It wasn't like these two other people, Joe and Melissa, were people who were striving to be in the media, right? Like, they weren't people who wanted to be actors or musicians or whoever. And so it's like, well, I got this thing. Like, why are you guys wanting to be on this thing? And I know that Teresa maybe didn't have those aspirations either, but she was still first on board. And so I just feel like just they should have just kept doing their construction or whatever their jobs were beforehand because it obviously created this whole rift in the family. And it's been a nightmare for the family. And they, no one backed down. Somebody at some point in the family needs to say, okay, I'm leaving the show. It's not good for the family. Let's prioritize the family. And I think if you're choosing between the two of them, it seems the most uh, obvious that Melissa and Joe should be the ones that should leave the show when it's really causing this huge rift in the family. Because it's not just between them. It's caused this huge rift between Kathy and Rosie's ma. And then it's caused a rift between the parents. Remember, that was the whole thing. Now the parents aren't with us, but that caused a rift. So I just feel like the somebody had to relent the show. Is that the right word? Somebody had to move away from the show. And so uh, Teresa's not perfect. And obviously she has her faults. And of course I understand that. And she's uh, not one to let things go. I get that. I see all those things, but I would just try to put myself in the position with my family. And I'd say somebody needs to leave the show. Somebody needs to be the bigger person and say, this is not good for us. And we're seeing it with the, the daughter's, we're seeing the daughters now when they had that scene this week with Melissa and Melissa, it was so awkward and cringy. And so the kids are involved. The kids were saying they don't see Antonia and Melissa's kids anymore. And it just makes me so sad. This uh, Italian family, Italian family should be a tight knit family. And I do understand the, uh, the thing about not inviting Melissa's parents to the wedding. Like I get that. That's like, a, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Dolores every time I say that's an Italian family thing. But as I'm someone coming from an Italian family, I get that, how that would be a problem in the family. But it's just sad. This whole thing is sad. And I can't watch now one more fucking second of it. So put us all under because I'm not interested. Although I do like all these new housewives. I want to focus on them for a second. Now, Jen Fessler, I might get these names mixed up a bit because we're so getting to know them. And I feel like there's a lot of new people now. And I'm like, who's that woman? What's her name? Who's that girl? Like, who is that? Jen Fessler is the one that was shoveling the mozzarella in her mouth. And that was at Danielle's party. Danielle is the one who, it was revealed to me that Danielle, I believe she was on True Life on MTV. She was on True Life. So she's a reality TV veteran now. And some people have sent me clips of her on there. So she's done this before. Now, she threw the mozzarella party, and she kept, the way she kept saying it was so funny to me, because my dad's like that, too. My dad, uh, every time he wants to say, like, prosciutto or <laughs> mozzarella or any of these Italian terms, he, like, gets the thickest Italian accent in the world, and that's how Danielle was, the mozzarella. <laughs> and my dad, my dad's like, uh, gabagool. You know, that um, clip from The Office where Michael Scott is saying gabagool always makes me laugh, because, you know, when my dad says gabagool, <laughs> Uh, like he turns into Tony Soprano all of a sudden, Gary, whenever he's saying mozzarella, mozzarella. And then uh, I felt like Danielle was doing that too. But so Jen Fessler was the one shoveling the mozzarella in her mouth. And I didn't really love that. Okay. I was totally against Jen Fessler that week. I honestly, if I had a show to recap that week, I was taking off. But if I was coming to do the recap, I'd say, I don't like this woman. I, I felt like she was doing too much. And then my opinion changed immediately this week. 
Opinion changed. And so that's the thing with these shows. We go on this roller coaster ride. And in my Vanderpump Rules recap or rewatch, I've noticed that more than ever. It's like all of these people, they take us on this ride where it's like you love them one minute, you hate them the next. We're supposed to. So anytime you get mad at someone for flip-flopping, I just have to remind you all that Bravo wants us to flip-flop on these personalities because that's what keeps us tuning in and questioning why we tune in. So I that happened in two episodes with Jen Fessler because now all of a sudden I'm loving that woman and I'm thinking back to her shoveling that mozzarella in her mouth and I'm into it. So love her. Rachel, uh, she is seems like a great addition as well. Danielle's a great addition. And so I just like that the, it's feeling fresh. It's feeling like we got new people in here. We got new blood in here, which, by the way, Teresa's tagline makes me laugh, too, because she's like, blood may be thicker than water, but it's harder to clean when it spills. And it's like, what are we saying here? <laughs> like, are we saying, are, are we sort of implying murder or something? I know that that's a bit of a stretch, but also I feel like that's the implication is blood. We're talking, I know we're in reference to family, it makes sense. But then when you say it's harder to clean when it spills, it's like, well, wait, what is going on? I know it's a metaphor, but still, still. Uh, what else? We see Louis. Louis, I, I've kind of come around to Louis too. I know he's had his problems in the past too, but he seems like he wants to be enlightened. And we're getting, he seems like he wants to be enlightened. I get that. And he's trying to make peace. And some people are saying that he's trying to make a wedge between them, but I feel like he's trying to make peace. I mean, he was, he was doing that, a phone call where he's trying to get Teresa to talk to the brother Joe. And he had a notepad out because he was writing her script for her because, and that was funny to me, just literally on camera writing Teresa's script and then <laughs> just writing it down on the notepad. And Teresa was reading it verbatim. And that's where we're at on Housewives. Uh, sometimes I imagine the producers step in and say, you got to say this, got to say that. And this was an episode where it was like, producers probably stepped in and said, Louie, can you, you know, write some words for her? And so he wrote her script, but he was trying to get them together. And Joe Gorga was saying, no, I'm not. I'm, he was been through this too many times before. And uh, there was this whole thing on social media. I don't know if you saw this, that, or it, did it play out on the show? I think it played, I get confused now what played out on the show and social media. But uh, so Joe Gorga and Melissa said that when they did that spinoff, when Teresa went to prison, they did this spinoff called Teresa Checks In. And Joe and Melissa said it put food on uh, Teresa's table when Teresa was in prison because they did the spinoff. And then Teresa said in an interview in the press, she said, well, the special was called Teresa's Checks In. So it was. <laughs> so she called him out. She's like, well, if the show was called Teresa Checks In, technically she put food on Joe and Melissa's table, right? Because it was her spinoff show. Uh, and no one really wins in this situation, to be honest with you. But the fact is, uh, I think it was actually Rosie who put food on all of their tables because Rosie was the one that I remember showing up in that special and having a scene with Joe Giudice. And that's what I took away from that whole special was uh, the Rosie scene. And I miss Rosie scenes. I miss her popping in and uh, showing us something and meeting with Joe Giudice. But I don't remember much of a scene between Joe and Melissa and the gals, the daughters. I don't know. But so the big argument is like, who put whose food on whose table? And then I guess they were saying that the daughters were saying that Joe and Melissa only visited that one time when they were on a kid. I don't know. It's confusing and sad. Again, no one wins because it's all just so sad. This family is torn apart. Uh, also, wait. Oh, I did want to say that that scene where Louis was writing Teresa's script, it reminded me of a modern day Cyrano de Bergerac. Am I saying that correctly? Unclear. But uh, I just felt like it was a good update. Then we see Dolo and little Frankie. Oh, my God. Little Frankie with the small dog on his lap in the capri pants cleaning up that pool. Woo! Matt, turn on the fan. You guys, that man, that young man is gorgeous. I was a little upset that he was wearing the top. I would have liked to take the blouse off while he was cleaning that pool, but otherwise, no notes. He had that adorable dog on his lap and then had the, the pants rolled up. And I hope Chris Bassett was watching because that's how you wear a capri. That's how you wear it. He just had him folded up a little bit. So just showing a little ankle, a little leg. And so I appreciated that with uh, little Frankie Jr. or whatever his name is. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous man. And I'm happy that Dolores is putting herself first. She's putting, she's done with the bullshit. She can't take not one more ounce of bullshit. Even with the mama, the Nana comes over and the Nana's like, oh, I'm eating cake for breakfast. And Dolores is like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know. <laughs> 
Last season, Dolores, or I don't know what season it was, Dolores was trying to get Nana to eat healthier. And now Dolores is like, oh, that. She's like, I don't give a fuck about none of this bullshit. I'm putting myself first. And I was, I'm so proud of Dolo because she's always putting everybody else first. And she needs to put her own self first. And so she finally is. And she doesn't give a shit about Frank being mad at the new boyfriend, the Irish boyfriend. And she's she's number one now. She's number one. Then we see Jen and Bill at dinner, and she got her son a party bus for prom, and Bill was mad about that. These two got a lot of troubles, but I do want to support her getting the party bus for the prom. Because I, I might have told the story, but when I went to prom, uh, we rented a Hummer, an H2 Hummer, which was what well, we didn't even rent it. It was like borrowed from a friend. But uh, we took pictures in front of a Hummer. My friend Mike and I, we have like photos where we had dates. I, I went with a girl inexplicably, but I do remember that we camped out after prom and uh, my date, the girl I went with ended up hooking up with some other guy, but it wasn't a big problem because I didn't give a shit. I was, I uh, was not interested. Anyway, the point is we did pose in front of a Hummer, which is so embarrassing. I look back at these photos and I'm like, what were you doing? Just like standing in front of a, a big ass truck and just smiling. <laughs> like, it was so weird. Anyway, so I was happy that she got on a party bus because that's at least for picture purposes down the line, they're going to be happy that they pose in front of a big party bus instead of just some rented SUV or friend's SUV is weird. Uh, then we see Jen and Rachel at lunch and they're stirring the pot. They're just saying Jennifer Aiden called them and try to say one thing or another. Uh, I think it was Jen said that she doesn't want to share food, which made me like Jen. I think that's what got me on board with Jen Fessler when she's like, I'm not sharing my plate of food because Rachel was like, why don't we split this? She's like, fuck no, I'm not splitting that. She's not interested. That got me on board. And then Rachel says Jennifer Aiden confronted her about her nose. Then that happened later too. They were talking about their nose job and Jennifer Aiden was like, oh, you got your bad nose job. It's like, this is not a nice thing to say. Then uh, Jennifer Aiden was calling Fessler to shit talk Marge, but Jen Fessler is friends with Marge. So that's a problem. We have the scene between Dolores and Margaret at the Rainforest Cafe shop or something of the same ilk because I wasn't sure where they were, but it looked like a lot of like fake greenery was around them. So uh, unclear exactly what that store was. Uh, they do call Melissa and they talk about this whole wedding situation and not inviting Melissa's parents and the sisters and whatever. I don't know. Then we see everyone getting ready for the love bubble housewarming party. Joe's not going to go, but Melissa does show up. She's just making an effort. And I know that I was mean to Melissa before, but I got to say, Melissa's hair and makeup for the back car barbecue love bubble party. I really enjoyed it. I loved her outfit. I thought she looked beautiful, looked stunning. Uh, I liked it. Uh, At this party, one of the things that I liked about Danielle, I know she got in this fight with, uh, what's her name, Jackie? But what I want to focus on is the fact that she wanted a to-go plate, because I really related to that. As an Italian from Ohio, I support to-go plates. Every family function I've ever been to, uh, my mom sends people away with plates of food. She has those to-go plates ready in her cupboard. Anytime she has people over, she sends everybody with their own meals. And so that made me feel at home. Danielle was thinking, where's my to-go plate? And I love that. When you go to a party... It's nothing better than when we could get a to-go plate, because oftentimes people have too much food anyway, and it goes to wait. So I like the fact that she wanted a to-go plate, and so that's why I love Danielle. Uh, Melissa did get mad about the chosen speech thing. She goes and cries off camera. That was the other thing I was like thinking. As a reality star, you need to be crying on camera. You should not be just walking away and when you got tears coming. When the waterworks are coming, you find the red light and you stare right into it. And you, that's what you got to do. That's what you signed up for. That's a job description. So anyone who's listening who's on reality TV, I, it behooves you. I behoove you to start crying on camera. Don't say, oh, I got to go. Because I don't know. And she should know that. Maybe if the maybe the tears weren't real because otherwise she should know that you do it on camera. Where's the red light? I'd say, producer, where am I looking? Where's my lens? Because I got a tear coming. And so I don't want to waste it. So she just went in the bathroom or something. I'm like, I can't have this. I need you on camera, Melissa, because that's going to be more compelling TV. Uh, anyway, what else is going on? That's the end of the episode. There's these. There's this fight between Rachel and Jennifer Aiden. They keep calling each other fucking idiots. <laughs> like that. Fucking idiots. You're a fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. Oh, I loved it. And then Jen says, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And Rachel's like, there's no door, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Oh, I loved it. Rotten Hill. Rotten Hill. Rotten Hill. She said, Rotten Hill, Jennifer Aiden. Rotten Hill. 
Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Next week, we get Danielle's party, uh, Teresa's wedding dress shopping, a little Jennifer Aiden versus Marge. I don't know about Jersey this season, you guys. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be pessimistic about it because I love my Jersey gals. But this feud that's been going on for so many seasons, it's just, it's feeling played out and I can't do it. I can't do not one more minute of it. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So anyway, that's the end of the episode of Everything Iconic. Thank you all. Potomac Real quickly, real quickly, the Potomac reunion. I think it's been good, although I do think we need a shakeup on Potomac. I'm sorry to say, but something needs to happen over there in Potomac because we're hiding all this stuff. And it's clear to me, nothing's been more clear than the fact that production very much hates Robin Dixon. They hate her for hiding that thing and putting behind the paywall of Patreon. And in the second part of the Potomac reunion, we saw how they kept throwing her under the bus. They kept saying, two weeks later, Every time Robin said something that contradicted what she was saying. And so they very clearly hate her. And I don't know what will happen. I think it's possible that they bring her back because this whole thing has caused a, a media firestorm, if you will. And it's caused the other cast members to be pissed at Robin. But we can't have that. We're just having an authenticity problem over on Potomac. And so I, we're just going to need a shift. We need a change up. We need a shift. And I'm not sure what that shift is because I got to see the part uh, three of the reunion to – determine where I stand. But as of now, I can tell you that uh, something needs to happen because we're just in a bad place with Potomac. And it's been a good season. The reunion's fun to watch, but I don't know where these women go forward. I don't know how it happens because it's, it seems like it's at a standstill. And then even Giselle at Binning this week, like she just don't fucking like Wendy. And there was one moment too where Andy got pissed at Giselle because Giselle's like, I don't want to talk about this now. The one personal storyline she had going on her health issue she it finally came up at the reunion, and then she's like, I don't want to talk about this. And then Andy's like, we will talk about it. Ugh, you guys, so I don't know. We're going to have to see part three. I don't normally recap these reunions. You know that. You know that I don't. Because, re- again, just have to reiterate that reunions are very boring to recap because one of the things that's fun about a recap is they have different environments, different things are happening. But a reunion, it's like they're all just sitting there. And so after you basically go through their wardrobe choices like what else we got to talk about so anyway i that's my main thing that i wanted to say about potomac was just that we have an authenticity problem and we're going to fix it going forward okay thank you all so much for listening we haven't done this in a while so shall we do a cheese little cool down i feel like we we need it uh let's do a deep breath in let's hold it hold it these cheesy cool downs started as an accident uh breathe out and then I started doing them because I think we all do need to take a moment. They sort of were a joke at the beginning of Everything Iconic of, let's do a breathing exercise at the end of this show. So it was just a silly joke. And then people started reaching out and saying, 
they like the cooldowns. So we keep doing them. Even though I do admit that they're cheesy and weird, I also admit that I love them. And I think we all need the reminders going forward. There's lots going on in the world. And we need to be sure to take some time for ourselves and to breathe and to just make sure we're keeping up with all of our self-care techniques, whatever they may be, big or small. You need to do them. So take some time for you going forward. I love you all so much for listening, and I'm so glad to be back. And uh, we will, I think, just have one episode next week. I don't know, because uh, we are not covering the reunions, but we'll be back next week with Potomac or with uh, Vanderpump Rules in Jersey. But for now, I bid you adieu. And encourage you to go get those tickets to the live shows. Get my book. It's called How Do I Remember This? Wherever books are sold. I love you all so much for listening. Bye-bye.